2: Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. I hope you're doing well. It's another week, it's another episode. And this is the first episode that I have recorded remotely. Uh, I'm recording this in the, uh, the thick of the lockdown. And um, I was meant to have recorded this a while ago with, uh, with my guest today, who's uh, singer-songwriter uh, Rachel Mason. And it never got to happen due to uh, the lockdown. So we've facilitated this via the means of Skype and two audio recorders. So you should still get exactly the same audio quality as usual. Um, but uh, yeah, there's no buts. That's it. Um, before we get on with the episode, uh, I should like to say thank you to Scribius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Podcast. Um, Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, And if you enjoy this, then be aware that uh, I put our um, weekly podcasts over on our Patreon page. So Off The Beaten Track has a a Patreon and there's lots of stuff goes up on there each week. So if you want to support the podcast a little more, you can go over and get involved um, on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Off The Beaten Track. Um, you can find out about merchandise and, and everything else on uh, com. I think we can get on with the episode. Um, please enjoy it. Off the Beat and Track Podcast with Rachel Mason. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B E A T one five, and that'll save you fifteen percent off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk. Official sponsors of Off the Beaten Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's off the beaten track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stu. With hello and welcome to Off the Beaten Track podcast. It's a glorious sunny day, and uh, and it's the first the first of many. I hope that um, I'm recording remotely. Uh, we're we're currently in the uh, the middle of the the lockdown, and I've been talking to my guest for for a while now about getting this one. Um, up and running um she was due to come into the studio in shoreditch but um for obvious reasons we're all now sitting at home um but we've made it happen and so um uh, my guest today is rachel mason hi (laughs) how are you
3: i'm very well thanks yeah yes like you said the sun's shining thankfully it's a it's a weird time at the moment but thankfully we have music to get through it (laughs) don't know what we do without
2: exactly exactly at the moment so, how are you finding this, this this current situation that we find ourselves in?
3: Um, a bit tricky. I'm I'm naturally an extrovert, and I really like seeing people and creating music and teaching singing and stuff. So it's really weird just it just being our family at home all the time, which is which is nice, but it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's strange. It's a yeah, strange environment, and and not knowing yeah. how people are doing and. You know, I want to check all my friends. So we just FaceTime a lot, just to check, check we're okay, and
0: yeah.
3: Um, yeah, and just hoping all my other freelance musician friends are all right because it's a, it's a, it's a strange time, particularly for people in the arts. So yeah, it's tricky.
2: Massively, I mean, it's. But what I do think will will, will come out of this, which I think's really exciting and positive. I mean, not making you know any light of this awful situation that we're in. But I do think that um, there's so many musicians, podcasters, DJs, you know, people that own pubs, clubs, you know, licensed venues that are now currently closed mm. and unable to. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. There's, there's people in all sorts of businesses that are currently out of work. But what I think it's pushing in the creative industries is people to rethink how they do their things. Yeah. And, and coming up with new and interesting ideas. And I think it's been really, really encouraging to, to you know, to look on social media and to look at websites and, and seeing so many artists, sort of you know, and I love to use the term thinking mm. outside of the box, but but doing that and, and, and coming up with really exciting ways to, you know, perform their art or, yeah. Uh, or yeah, or create something. So I've, I've been very, very impressed with that. But, I, well, look, Rachel, I always start the podcast... With track one, so can you tell me, please, the song with the greatest ever intro?
3: Now, this was quite an easy one for me um, because it's the song we named our daughter after. So, my favourite intro is the the original Derek and the Dominoes version of Layla. So, uh, yeah, we called our our daughter Layla well, <laughs> after the song.
2: Oh, that's that. Well, that's quite bizarre because uh, I have a daughter called Layla no, as well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's the best name <laughs> is she also named after the song
2: well uh, it wasn't no i mean what was um it's it's loosely based around a, a song um the, the track lila by oh, oasis okay. was number one um and and so it was it was inspired oh. by that um but uh but uh but yeah so okay so tell me i mean what we should also do before we we, we start sort of discussing um, the track Layla is is to kind of for those that aren't aware of your work to give them a kind of brief insight into into what you do.
3: Okay, so I'm um, I'm a kind of freelance musician. I do lots of things. Really, I'm a, a, <laughs> a wearer of many hats. is <laughs> it that way. I so I I, um, I run an artist management business called Listening Color, where I um, work with um, unsigned young artists who need a bit of support in the music industry and um and I, I am a songwriter, I work with lots of different artists, some big pop stars, some more kind of local people, and um and I run a community choir, which is brilliant and fun, and I teach singing, um, and I um do a bit of uh, TV work, judging, judged a show on Sky One, um, which was awesome because I got to work with Mid Jor, who is, you know, just amazing that was pretty cool um and I do quite a lot of of work abroad um working with different different vocal groups and and I do quite a bit for I'm really lucky that I get to do some things for charity as well so there's a a charity called Well Child who I'm an ambassador for um and I get to work with um the amazing young choirs that come through there and I get to meet Prince Harry and Meghan Markle every year so that's that's nice (laughs) working with them
2: Lovely. Um, well, g- going back to um, uh, intros, and, and, and obviously the the, the intro to, to to Layla's very, very iconic. It's you know, it's it's that that guitar lick that just sets the sort of premise for the yeah. whole song. But as somebody that is is a songwriter um, for both yourself and other people, um and I'm just interested to know. Um, I ask this question to most artists that um that, that are songwriters that I've had on this podcast is how how maybe the, the way that you approach intros has changed over the years um, in regards to how people now listen to music against how maybe they did a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's
3: quite interesting because it's um, a lot of things aren't especially live music anymore. A lot of them are, are kind of created in computers and things like that. So it's, it's really interesting working with live musicians and um, particularly my I'm not a great guitarist, by any means, but I work with quite a lot of people who are fantastic guitarists, and they just noodle around and come up with these amazing ideas. And quite often, it inspires the whole rest of the song. Um, then you wouldn't have thought of that idea if they hadn't played that little riff. So it's really it's really interesting and in how it can pull you into a track in um, in a way that that music doesn't. Well, music does still pull you into the track, but in a very different way. Quite often, it's the it's the kind of vibe or the kind of beat. Or, um, or something. But yeah, so it's quite. Things can be quite different nowadays.
2: Do you, do you consider radio when you're when you're
3: writing? Yeah, very much so. The kind of three and a half minute song, get in, get out kind of
2: thing. Is that still a Is that still a a real thing?
3: I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's people like Radiohead that break the rules because you know it's Radiohead, but. Generally, that's what when you're writing for kind of commission, or you're writing for, to to kind of answer a an advert that somebody wants. It's usually best to go with that because you know radio stations are going to play it because you know all well, the problems Queen had with Bohemian Rhapsody that they couldn't get it on air because it was it was just too weird. People didn't know what to do with it because it sure. was too long. So you're you're already off to a a winner, I guess, if it's a kind of little bite sized Song. So I think people generally still yeah. do abide by that rule and try and get to the chorus by the end of the first 30 seconds or something. So sometimes you have to do quite a short intro because otherwise it can, it can like eat yeah. into your time.
2: But you, you, you do see quite a, a common trend now of, of people starting songs yeah. with the chorus now. Yeah. You know, it's like some of, you know, But uh, and I do think that, you know, g- g- being the age that I am, I, I, I have such an affinity to, to, to the kind of, you know, the 80s, uh, yeah. Pop music, you know the synth-pop stuff that was 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 so so hook-inducing and, and, and melodic. But what I'm seeing now with like bands like, oh, like even like bands like Bring Me the Horizon and and the 1975, like just high-end pop. It's like it's really well-produced yeah. pop music, and 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 just that the sort of you know. And and I guess both of them bands probably will get thrown into other categories as well. But it's just it's really interesting seeing that kind of crossover now of you know whether you know Bring Me to Horizon being a traditionally a, a kind of rock mm. metal band and and and, and obviously um, 1975 being what I guess you'd call mm. an indie band and just seeing that their production is he, just got that pop sheen to it now yeah. and it's just opened it up to completely new audiences just fun I think it's really interesting that, that how, how pop music's being put together nowadays yeah it's, definitely yeah, and it's, it's how exciting. you know
3: we can listen to it and on in those different formats and people love going on spotify and listening to things and things are on youtube and people are always looking for you know new bands to listen to and um and i guess it's you know because like different radio stations can be quite niche and only want to play particular things so if it's got more of a general pop vibe it's probably going to get more airplay um in general i would think so so yeah, yeah it's it's interesting how yeah bands i never thought would do that are now doing that <laughs> but i'm like yeah yeah, yeah makes sense
2: <laughs> okay so rachel for track two um i asked guests the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you
3: yeah i think i thought about this quite a lot because i was like god there's loads um because i i have a a weird thing called, um, synesthesia, um, that means I can hear me. I see music as colors and I can taste it as well. So that's a weird thing I've always had, which I assumed everybody else had. Cause like when you're a child, you just think you're normal until you realize when you say, Oh, well, that, that song's purple. People go, what? It, what? <laughs> and, um, My parents used to listen to, they used to make little tapes when we used to go up to visit family in London at Christmas and Dad used to put one of his various tapes on and it was always, like, random Christmas stuff. But one of the songs in there, um, on that tape, was Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush and um, it came out a few years before I was born. Um, But I remember the first time I heard her voice, I just thought, I said, who's who's this? Because it sounded nothing like anything else on that tape and there were some great things on the tape, but it was this like unearthly angelic voice and she just had so much artistry with it it was almost like listening to an opera but as a pop song and then I got really I I was just fascinated with her and how she used her voice like as as an instrument and um and told this incredible story um and it's just uh yeah I I just always always found her an absolutely incredible and unique artist and I'm pretty sure she's influenced the way I sing because I'm also a Soprano and have quite a light, ethereal voice. So I'm nowhere near as good as Kate, but but I, I'm sure that that's that's influenced me quite strongly. Actually, the way that I the way that I write and the way that I sing, and it's uh, yeah, it's just it's just gorgeous that song.
2: It, I, it it really is, and I think like there must still be an abundance of people that that hear that for the first time and literally think, what yeah. is this? Because it is it is it is like sonically like nothing else absolutely yeah it's uh it's it's so i mean two questions (laughs) what what color is it and what does it taste like
3: (laughs) which are weird questions that one to me everybody has so if you ask Pharrell Williams because he also has it um not that i know him personally but he also has it he would probably tell you it's a different color that one to me feels quite like um like a foresty green quite a deep green it's quite um angsty isn't it it's quite it's, it's quite a yeah even her, her her vocal is so beautiful and clean and clear it's actually the, the story is very heavy and dark um and um mm-hmm. yeah well I tend to get with when I'm I mostly get the taste of music when I'm writing with someone and when it when the song's going really well and it feels like it's going to be really good it tastes like steak so people often say to me how's this going Rach? It, is it taste like steak? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's steak. So <laughs> that's a steaky one. That tastes like steak.
2: <laughs> I, have, I, I have never heard of that before. What, what, so what um, did you say it was called?
3: Synesthesia, it can be called. It's basically, apparently, everybody used to be able to do this, um, used to have these connections between our taste, sound and sight and hearing and everything. But it's something, it's like our appendix, like things that have become useless in our bodies. So we've sort of phased it out over time. Yeah. So now only a few people have it. And it's um, it's not a particularly, it's like a superpower, but a really rubbish one because you can't like fly or anything. <laughs> you know, it's sort of a yeah. rubbish superpower. Um,
2: I would love to know what my record <laughs> tastes like.
3: Well, some people have it um, like when they... Uh, days of the week taste like things, and so if they eat, if they they hear two things together, it can, it, and it tastes like one thing tastes like mustard, and the other one tastes like marmalade. They can be really sick because the two tastes together come together in their mouth. I don't get that, but I know some people who do. Wow, that's, uh, that must be a bit horrible. <laughs> it's it's an, amazing. It's, an odd, it's a really odd thing, <laughs> but it's um, it's pretty cool. I love I love having that with music. It's um, yeah, it's like an extra sense. In a way, it's um, it's
2: completely. Nice. So for track three, Rachel, I asked people to tell me the song that reminds them of their time at school.
3: Yeah, oh my gosh, there was so much because I I started school in the kind of early nineties, so there was all obviously all of the the kind of nineties pop stuff, and um, but the thing that I I really got into, um, prop like I attend proper music. That's a bit offensive <laughs> to pop music. Pop music's great, but I got, um, I met a group of friends who in the kind of GCSE sixth form kind of time, and they all preferred kind of American grunge and that kind of thing. And I remember the first time I heard Alive by Pearl Jam, I just thought, oh my god, this is incredible, and it's just so. Dark and beautifully sung, and the story's unusual. And I just thought, okay, I love this. And we just, and that's when we were all learning to drive. So we used to have these crappy little cars, or our parents' ones that we borrow and try and make it look a bit more exciting rather than a Vauxhall Corsa. And we drive around with the windows down, listening to listening to Pearl Jam, <laughs> and it just reminds me of of that time, of kind of Brilliant. freedom and watching MTV and just watching all of the stuff like um, live it was one of my. The bands that I loved then, and and um, Soundgarden, and my favourite bands of all time, and we just absolutely love that era. That's yeah. just still, I think, always my favourite.
2: Yeah, there was lots of there was lots of girls at, at that age that seemed to enjoy watching Eddie Vedder uh, yeah. on MTV around then. He was uh, he was quite yeah, a good looking good, boy, was wasn't Cornell. he? Chris
3: Cornell was always my favourite. My dog is named after Chris Cornell. He's <laughs> he's called Cornell after after an Audio Slave song. So we have lots of weird musical things in our family. But um, yeah,
2: wonderful. And obviously the 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 the, the, the track. You, you, are you familiar with the track "Hunger Strike" yes. um, from Temple of the Dog, which is? Obviously, Um, um, N.E.N., Chris singing on that. What a great (laughs) record that is.
3: Absolutely. They did so much amazing Um, stuff, yeah.
2: So where was school? Where was you born?
3: Um, I was born in um, just outside London. And then we lived there till I was about three. And then my parents decided they didn't want to raise me in London. So we moved down to the West Country. So um, we're about 20 minutes outside Bristol, kind of. um, Somerset kind of Wurzels country (laughs) kind of thing Um, and I've lived there since I was three and then my sister was born when we were here and um, yeah so I grew up going going to school, just a normal comprehensive school down the road um, which was a really good musical school actually, some really cool stuff's come out of there and they were always really encouraging of you writing your own stuff and performing it and having pop groups and yeah they were oh really the Churchill Academy they were I had brilliant the music staff there were just incredible there was one particular teacher who led our a cappella group and I was an awful a cappella singer but she let me in I think she took pity on me and trained me to actually sing properly in tune in tune on a harmony part because I was always like, I'm a soprano, I can't do a harmony, and she taught me to do that. And she would do the coolest stuff with us. We'd do Radiohead, we did, we did part of Paranoid Android. And um so it wasn't the kind of cheesy a cappella do what stuff. It was awesome things. So she had an amazing had it, it just fantastic taste in music and um, we did loads of, she, she basically introduced Wonderful. me to Jeff Buckley, and, and like just really amazing things, and I was, yeah, so she's, she was brilliant influence, and it was, yeah, a great school for, for musicians to be at.
2: And, and to be so close to Bristol, did, you know, did you get to experience some of the exciting stuff that was coming out of Bristol in the, the sort of early yeah. 90s, with, you know, with Massive yep. and Portishead, Yeah, so we're really
3: near, we live really near Portishead, <laughs> lots of my friends live there, and Massive Attack, and. Yeah, they often play sort of like the Downs Festival and things now. So I was a bit young to go to their gigs. My parents would have just been like, "No, you're a, you're a little bit young." But I was, yeah, absolutely loved them. I still love Massive Attack. It was all it was almost like a toss up between Teardrop, Massive Attack, and um, and the, the Pearl Jam song <laughs> for my school one because that just Teardrop is just such a absolute. Banger from my childhood, and I've performed it in New York as well with with um, the show choir I was with, and and it was just it's just it's just this iconic, beautiful song, and oh
2: yeah. And I and and I think there's you know you can you can see a you know a, a compare I can feel a comparison and, and hear a comparison between yes. Liz Fraser and Kate and, and, and Kate and Kate Bush. You know, they they yeah. there is that you know beautiful ethereal sort of sound in their voice, which is. Which is like yeah, no one absolutely. else. Really. And she lives
3: really near Liz Fraser. Yeah. She's still quite nearby, but she's so shy that she. Because um, I'm. Bizarrely, I was teaching a, re, a really lovely young girl, um, teaching her singing, and her best friend is Elizabeth Fraser's daughter, and I, who is the baby wow. who's in the teardrop. Well, sort of the baby in the teardrop video, because it's not really a real baby, but that is as yeah, yeah, she yeah. was pregnant. Yeah. And I was like. Which is right. so weird. I was like, "Oh my gosh," and I was like, oh, "I'd love to meet her." And yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, she doesn't really do people. She just sort of she's so kind of shy." Um, which is absolutely fair yeah. enough. That's like, that's you know completely up to her. But and it, and,
2: it's, and it's and it's weird you mention yes Jeff she Uckley, because she just found out he died obviously, um,
3: that the day she made that recording.
2: Well, well, yeah, and um, oh, I didn't know that. I, I was going to say obviously like one of her most infamous songs is um yeah song of the siren which is obviously jeff's yeah. dad tim buckley's uh yeah composition um so oh tell me more about that so she'd found out that jeff buckley the day, died yeah, the day apparently
3: that, and i can't remember i read this now but i but yeah she was apparently in the studio just about to record the vocals for teardrop and she found out that that jeff had, had just drowned and um
1: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
3: and then she and then she recorded the vocals so the vocals are kind of like drenched in that kind of sorrow as well which sorrow yeah which yeah when i think about it, i'm like yeah that that totally makes sense so I can't, remember, I, don't, I can't remember where I read that, but I definitely read it <laughs> at some point, unless it came to me in a dream, which would be a very strange wow. dream. But, um, but, yeah, there's always weird musical links, and quite often people who are incredible musicians are so, are so influential that they sort of touch these lives that, you know, don't really seem connected, but, but they all kind of influence each other. Completely. And it's just, yeah, amazing.
2: So what did you want to be when you was at school? Definitely
3: a singer. I was, like <laughs> I'm a bit sort of dyslexic with numbers and things. I'm not I just I find numbers really hard. And luckily singers only have to really count to four. So, you know, we don't really have to do a lot of the the numbers. And singers actually when you're singing with a an orchestra all my orchestral friends say, "Well, don't you don't you count." And I'm like, "No, you just listen to whatever's got the tune when you haven't got the tune, then you come back in again." That's what singers do. <laughs> Of so, course.
2: And I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the dyslexia is going to get overlooked on your CV when people find out that you can smell <laughs> and taste music. Uh, I feel like God made a bit of an error there.
3: Like, maybe being able to actually do some maths would be useful, but I've got an accountant, so it's OK. <laughs> so I won't pay tax return. But um, but I just... I And I'd always, always written songs since I was little. That was quite normal for me, just to, to have songs in my head. And you just... Yeah.
2: Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through. And you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. So did you did you come from a musical background? Your parents' uh, sort
3: musical? Of my dad was in um, the Wandsworth Boys Choir, which were quite a famous... Um, school choir, so they performed with Pavarotti. They used to do the the um the proms most years. They were like the boys' choir in the proms. And they did a record so quite a few of Benjamin Britten's opera recordings. So we've got some of his dad's recordings. He's in he's in the choir, it's not a solo, but um yeah, so he grew up doing that mm. and he'd always loved music. And my mum played piano and things. There's music in the family but neither of them were particularly, you know, like like a famous musician or or something um, but um, sure. they'd always encouraged it and my mum had always put music on things like Albatross and said what, close your eyes, what does that sound like to you, what, does it, what can you see like she'd always do that so I'd always experience music as a kind of multi-sensory Mum, I, I, for some reason <laughs> I <could play> Steak
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: and there uh, started my love for people back <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, most things that Lindsay Buckingham does is, is steak so that's you know easy peasy but um but yeah of so I, I was always around music and just just loved it just really interested and took started taking piano lessons when I was four and just just loved it and I think from that point on I feel quite, like my life's been quite easy in that way that I've just always known what I wanted to do and I wasn't good at lots it wasn't like I was amazing at everything and then had to kind of narrow it down i was good at music and some other things like english but i was awful at maths and science and i've married someone with a physics degree so i feel like he balances out our children so <laughs> hopefully they'll get his maths exactly. and science skills exactly.
2: <laughs> so mm-hmm. for track four rachel the first song you remember buying from record yeah
3: Shop. i remember um Gosh, that was eight, the eighties. Yeah, so CDs had been out, but they were still quite expensive. So, um, I remember going to oh god, would it have been R Price maybe or some one of those then, with my with my dad, and we bought Thriller. And I was just obsessed with Michael Jackson at that time, and uh, <laughs> we were friends at school. And we would used to make anything into a Michael Jackson lyric, and like we just launched into Leave Me Alone. Girl, like all the time, and our teachers would be like, Oh, be quiet. And um and it's just such an iconic album, and some of the some of his greatest tracks are on there and there, and it was the kind of the MTV time where you'd you'd try and watch we didn't have MTV, but my aunt somehow had recorded this video jukebox thing off the TV and sent us a video of it, and it had um Thriller, Beat It, Billie Jean, all of the the kind of um the amazing dance routines and then we always to try and copy the dance routines which I am not very good at some hideous footage of us as children trying to <laughs> try to replicate it um but yeah I just remember that that album and it was just he was so so famous then he was just yeah yeah it was amazing
2: I recently like two nights ago watched a documentary on him and uh and I mean for you know i i guess we we, we separate the, mm. the you know the art yeah. from the man uh, in 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 these times you know that, you know i i guess nothing's been proved right or wrong in any any way shape or form but i, I don't know it's, it's 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 a tricky one to 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 to, to you know to to kind of uh, where where, yeah. where the land lies with that but what what i think we can safely say is that the the musical output was yes. phenomenal and 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 never more so than for me on on on, on thriller. Yeah. I think is um, you know the one of it you know one of if not the greatest pop album that's ever yeah. been recorded. And, uh, and 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 just, I mean, just the, the the impact of his style. You know, he he looked incredible yeah. at that point. And uh, unfortunately, the documentary I watched the other night was was all about the, the different procedures he'd had on the on mm. his on his face and. Uh, Oh my God! It's like when you sort of you see it all sort of put together and like cut together really quickly. Just how he had changed in in sort of less yeah. than twenty years It's absolutely bananas. But yeah. but I, I think shut your eyes and you hear mm. that voice, and it's just for me never more so than on on oh, can you feel yes. it when like you've got. All the Jackson brothers have all got great voices and they're all singing. And when he says people of the world, whatever it is, oh the people love that, his voice is just a hundred times better than every other Jackson. (laughs) It like it just projects way above anything else on that record. Sonically, his voice is insanely amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. uh, He had
3: this kind of grit in his voice as well for someone with such a fantastically high falsetto to have that kind of grit in there as well It's quite unusual. And that's, and that's, that's exactly... That's what makes it, that like, grit. You know, Mars sounds similar yeah. to Michael Jackson but doesn't have that grit. He's got the clean, beautiful kind of top end. Yeah. Um, and it's just... Yeah. Yeah, he, he's just incredible. And, and, and the way Thriller was written, because they wrote the tune and they didn't have... They had the... Da-da, but they didn't know which words they were going to put with it. So they originally had sunshine, which does not have the same impact. And apparently they went through the dictionary until they got no. to the thriller. <laughs> they went all the way through the dictionary until they got to the word thriller. And then they wow. were Wow like, yeah, that's the word. And then the whole song kind of, yeah, was not about sunshine anymore. It was suddenly about... Very dark. Wow, things.
2: and them zombies oh. in the video. Oh them, them zombies in the video. They're they they're not I into know. sunshine. They used to
3: scare the absolute living daylight. They Used to put that on in the eighties as a school treat, and the people the kids would be like wetting themselves. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, school treat. Yeah. It was like that. It
2: was like <laughs> it was so rare. Like you know, we had like one mate at school that had Thriller yeah. on VHS, and like the make the <gasps> making of yeah. Thriller as well and like and we'd all sort of like <laughs> go around. You know, race around his house on our bikes in our lunch break just to watch the making the thriller yeah isn't it it's uh, just incredible and
3: they'd never shot music videos like that the dancers were used to just rocking up learning the routine cracking on with it but Mike was like no no we're going to be yeah. here for a week you need to <laughs> whoa just yeah it's just um I don't think there's really ever been anything like it since then
2: well you you, you mentioned I mean I'm, I'm not comparing him to like in, in, that closely but um I, I never got to see Michael Jackson live, mm. uh, unfortunately. M- m- my wife saw him on, on, on various tours. And, uh, and, and when he passed, they put on the Dangerous Tour. In, I think yeah. it's in Japan or something. And, and like, it, it's, oh. it's perfection. It's absolute perfection. But last year, I, I, I did go and see Bruno Mars oh, in, yeah. in Hyde Park. And, and I'm, not necess- I'm not necessarily a huge Bruno Mars fan um i only really know the hits, like the the big the, hits yeah the singles <laughs> that get played on the radio yeah. yeah yeah um and and it was one of i mean one of the most exciting right. gigs i've seen it it was it was incredible it was like mm. it was pure pop but it was done so well and like and he was playing various instruments he was singing he can dance yeah. like michael jackson you know his dancing was Amazing, and and you know he's yes, a talented boy. Absolutely. You know he's a very talented lad. He's, he's Bruno Mars, and yeah, it was it was probably the closest thing to seeing Jackson or Prince. I think is, is to see. Yeah, Bruno Mars, I th- yes,
3: I think you're right. Yeah, and it's um yeah, I was always too young to go and see Michael Jackson, but I know people who did go, and that's like oh, that would have been amazing seeing. Yeah, yeah, seeing the Dangerous Tour or Bad or oh yeah. <laughs> Back in
2: the day, it's really weird. Like when you when you you look back and you and because I'm always fascinated as to like yes, who supports yeah. who. Like you know who was the support acts on that? And when you look back at like the the bad tour and stuff like that and dangerous, and you just think, all oh, right, who supported Michael Jackson? Because it, you know he, he was the biggest yeah. artist in the world at that point without a shadow of that. So that the supports must have been amazing. They were <laughs> shit. <laughs> it was like I think it was like one of them it was oh crisscross
3: With their one song. Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, we, we, exactly. Uh and then with another artist with one song, right. Rosala. Uh and I mean got she got a few more hits, I guess, but Kim Wilde. Okay.
3: Like, That's odd. Yeah.
2: I mean I mean he couldn't have been struggling with a mortgage. I mean he could have yeah. maybe forked out a couple more quid and had someone and a little bit better. Were though, like, to be quite
3: honest, you didn't need to. You know, never,
2: <laughs> never, exactly. It's like having
3: attractive bridesmaid exactly. to make the bride look prettier. You, he didn't need that. He didn't need that. <laughs> he was
2: exactly. always going to win. Okay, Rachel, for track five, um, mm-hmm. let's let's move forward um, after school, and I want to know the song that soundtracked your years clubbing. Oh uh,
3: yeah. Now this is quite tricky because I went to um, Cardiff to do my music degree. And so we all of my housemates were into quite, like, clubby kind of... You know, went to liquid and drank WKD and that kind of classic stuff. And so it was all, like, the, the standard pop stuff and dance music was in the charts. But there was this brilliant club in, in Cardiff called Metro's who that was quite stinky and gross, but it played heavy metal and grunge and ska. And so whenever my friends came up to visit, we always went there and... Um, and then, yes, yeah, and my friends at their unis had, like, rock and indie nights, so we'd always <laughs> we'd go there. And so we listened to a, a lot of grunge, particularly Soundgarden, who were my kind of favourite band. And um, Spoonman always just reminded me of, like, just leaping around in leather trousers, loads of eyeliner at these, <laughs> these clubs. And i um, and just having a great time. There was loads of um, Rage Against the Machine and that kind of thing there, but yeah, Spoon. I love Spoon Man as well because it's got it's it's relatively uplifting for <laughs> for grunge, and um, with a spoon yeah. solo and um, all their kind of unusual rhythms that that Soundgarden had, and um, yeah, I just just love that song. It always makes me feel kind of happy and like I want to just jump around to have a bit of a mosh.
2: <laughs> so was was uh, being in Cardiff. I mean that was. So was that like the sort of early to mid nineties around the time of sort of Sand Garden and Rage or was these It was sort of more because retrospective retrospective I was nights?
3: yeah, it was more like 2000, 2000 to two thousand and three. So they it was a bit after them. Right. okay. Um, but yeah, they were still playing all that. They had Scar Nights on Tuesday, so it was loads of madness and <laughs> weird things like that.
2: Wonderful. So was you also um was you going to gigs then? Was was Club Over Back happening? Like, was you going to watch?
3: Yeah, we went. Yeah, we went quite. A lot. I really liked Counting Crows at times, so we saw Counting Crows a few times. They're they're interesting to watch live because they don't play anything the same as on the album at all. And if you if you want to listen to August and everything after, don't go to the gig because it's not. They they don't play. They never play Anna Begins anyway. They just never do it. <laughs> but they. Um,
2: but they always do like a fifteen-minute version of uh, yes, raining in like, Baltimore. Oh, <laughs>
3: I'm just play out again. But um, it's great.
2: He really he wants a raincoat.
3: <laughs> he was very <laughs> drunk at one gig that I went to in Hyde Park, and um, Adam Dueritz fell off a speaker. He was like, it was yeah, it was quite quite. It was quite funny. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah.
2: I mentioned like um a, a venue a minute ago. I don't know if you ever went there in, in Cardiff, the kind of the, the toilet circuit gig was yep. the club I've about.
3: Loads of times.
2: And uh, and that was yeah. where
3: yeah.
2: All oh, right, so did you, who um, did you see there?
3: No, we didn't see I didn't see Muse there. I think they were playing at the bigger oh god, they call it something else now. It's called the Metro something something rather they call it something else. But I saw
4: Muse there. I can't remember how you saw it at E4 Bark now.
3: it might have been someone really random that now is famous and i can't remember oh i don't know but yeah it's a great club yeah really great yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah. it's yeah, a lovely loads
3: of amazing places th- like that it's um it's a brilliant city so much going on all the time
2: so rachel what 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 did you want from from clubbing i,
3: like, I wanted to listen to some really good music and have a little yeah, dance with my friends, and I was—I did used to drink quite a lot at uni because everybody did, and you recovered quite quickly. Now I barely drink at all because I have two toddlers, and one of them will wake up in the night or something, and you're like, if you're hungover, that's just not not a great place to be. So I think yeah. I did all my drinking then, and uh, <laughs> um, and I just used to love going out and with my friends, and yeah, and going to the kind of mainstream clubs and like the student union and stuff. They play lots of Robbie Williams and you know that kind of stuff but um I'd always try and seek out the places that played the stuff I really liked um because I just yeah it was just much more fun and um edgy and grungy there be sweat running down the walls at metros and it was uh before the smoking ban it didn't smell too bad but afterwards you could just smell sweat and that was a bit grim I think the Cigarettes were like preferable to the stinky feet and sweat as well because it wasn't a very big place.
2: It's uh, it, it, it yeah. was so true. It's like I, I, I run a a nightclub very yeah. similar to what you're saying, and uh, and and um, that moment when that smoking ban came in for a good couple of months, there was a a very strange aroma yeah. <laughs> in the air. It took a while, because like, it was constantly yeah, just mar- yeah, yeah. masked in in. In, in cigarettes. Are like, Ugh, this is never get cleaned. Yeah, You're
3: like, absolutely. no, it's exactly the same, it's just no one's smoking. So it's a different smell. <laughs>
2: yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so for track six, uh, Rachel, a favourite song from an artist from your home county? So
3: um, one of my favourite songwriters ever, I think Tom, my husband, refers to her as, uh, to people, as the greatest songwriter you've probably never heard of. And that's Amy Wodge, who um, has written some of the most incredible songs in recent years including Thinking Out Loud she wrote with Ed Sheeran so she grew up about 10 minutes from me just like the next village down the road um, I know her parents they're absolutely lovely and um, and she's just like the most normal hilarious down to earth person so she went to the kind of the rival secondary school to my secondary school um, and um, we'd never known each other then. She's a couple of years older than me, and then she ended up going to study in Cardiff as well, so we've done very similar things but had never actually properly met, but we know loads of people who know the same people. It's quite weird. And I met her at a couple of her gigs, and um, that was kind of before... Because she'd worked with Ed Sheeran when he was really, really young, um, and they'd written together, And because he's quite a um, kind of caring, sharing person. He likes kind of honouring people that have helped him on his kind of journey to being such a massive success. So um, so she went over to his house at some point and they just sort of noodling around and wrote Thinking Out Loud. And it ended up going on the album because it wasn't, it, the album was finished and, and done and she listened to the album. And she was like, oh, that's great. And then they just, they just wrote Thinking Out Loud, just sitting on his sofa that night. And it's become one of the most, like, purchased songs of all time. And, like, the number one first dance. For weddings and bonkers.
2: So needless to say, Amy's probably not struggling probably, with the mortgage at the moment. Not,
3: no, and then <laughs> it was amazing because she then won a Grammy for it, which was just brilliant because it was so well deserved. And um, and then it's kind of opened the door for her to work with loads of other people. So she's been writing with all kinds of people. Um, she worked did uh, works with um, Camila Cabello, and she wrote. Um, a song called "Oh Parallel," is it "Parallel Hearts" or something? for Keith Urban, um, and she gets name-checked now in things quite often. People just say, "Oh, yeah, yeah," this Ed Sheeran wrote this song for me. But now they say Ed Sheeran and Amy Wadge and some other people wrote this song for me, which is really nice because she's getting the recognition she deserves.
2: It's it's really weird. You say that that Ed Sheeran, you know, kind of credits where credits due, and um, because. I heard him on uh, Desert Have you listened to him on Desert yeah. Island Disc, said Sheeran. And he plays um, a track by, um, oh, what are they called? They've done a JCB song. Um, hmm. My Dad's Bruce Lee. I, I'm Luke, I'm three. My Dad's Bruce Lee. Um, oh, God, what was the band called? Um, but basically that band was um, the, the, the the first band that took him out on tour. Oh when he was a a, a young artist. And he went, you might hear some influences when you play this record. And he put on the record by him and it was just an (laughs) Ed record. And it was like, wow, that's unbelievable how much you've prestiged this artist here, which was an amazing, was a brave move of him to do that, to literally play something that he knew everybody was going to go, what? That's itch You know, it just sounds like you know you based your career on this this, this band, and uh, but but to then yeah. credit them and and bring so much attention to them as well was you know he could quite easily have just gone. Oh, I'm not going to play that because people are going to hear exactly. where I get some of my ideas from. Completely embraced it and credited them, and I thought that was a really really cool thing. Definitely, uh, definitely. Okay. Um, oh, it's driving me mad what that band was called. Oh gosh. It, that, that one hit and it went straight J-C-B. to number one. The JCB song. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Google it while, yeah.
3: we, uh, while, while <laughs> you got to uh, know or not you? Yeah.
2: Drive me up the wall. Yeah. Uh, right, say, Amy's
3: exactly the same was. with her, with how she does things, and she's so amazing at supporting young artists. And one of my students, Owen, um Owen Francis Black, he's an amazing songwriter, and he and I co-write together quite often. And she had him open for her show in Somerset. In December, and so and that was just awesome. Ah, it was probably. such a great thing for Owen because he's he's ridiculously talented. He's just bonkers, bonkers, insanely cool, and just this lovely kid. And um and yeah, she she let him do that, and it was an amazing set. And um and he played some of the songs that he and I had written together. And I was like, oh my gosh, the song I've written is being played at an Amy Watch gig, oh. which. Um, which was amazing and it's, I think, artists that are like that, that are really, really sharing and really, you know, generous with their time and their um, their expertise and all those things are, they just become even nicer people. You just think, think even more of them rather than just being yeah. talented. So, yeah, I think Amy's just, just amazing.
2: Definitely. Well, that band was called Nizloppy. Oh.
3: Oh, yeah, I vaguely remember them now. Yeah. What a weird band name.
2: Yeah. So go, go and go and on Spotify and listen to Niz now, and, and go will more. be like, sure. oh my <laughs> God. It, it's so obvious. <laughs> um, okay. Last track, Rachel. Um, a song that many, many may not know that you would like them to hear. So it's your opportunity to to turn someone onto a song that, that they've probably never heard cool. before.
3: So saying a Radiohead song people will roll their eyes and be like, "Oh, we've heard of Radiohead." Um but uh, my husband introduced this one to me. He's got everything that Radiohead ever ever made ever ever and um he um and he he sang this in the car to me once. It was just we we're going to my cousin's wedding and he just made up a harmony and just sang it along with Tom York which was lush um and it's it's the song like spinning plates but it's it's a, it's the live version um so the one on the on the studio album I'm not as keen on it's quite unusual because it's another song backwards so it's another song called I will from um it's a Radiohead song played backwards and then on the li- on the studio recording, Tom York learnt the lyrics backwards and sang it backwards. Which is quite quite impressive, but then you know it's Tom York so he is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and then the then when they do it live, they play it they play it on their instruments so it just sounds like a normal track. Um and then he sings these incredible lyrics over the top and it's just it's amazingly Weird and unearthly song, and and because it's from an EP called I Might Be Wrong, live EP. A lot of people don't have it, and um, we played it to um my almost three-year-old daughter. She went, oh, "Mummy, it's amazing!" And so she quite often requests to have like spinning plates on, so we can all have a little dance before bedtime. And so like I like that she, you know, my three-year-old, is into radiohead. She also loves Burn the Witch. Which is quite scary, and she she does she loves the no way. She loves all the strings on it, um, but yes, that's like a family favourite. But it's a, quite a weird song for our kids to like. But yeah, it's, it's beautiful.
2: Yeah, that 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 live um, that live EP or mini album, whatever it was, um, that that did seem to pass by yeah. quite quietly, um, which 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 I was always surprised at because it was probably a you know. A, Arguably around the time of Radiohead's commercial yeah. peak, really. Like, it was... Was that was that around the... Was that post... Ooh, was that around the time of Howard of the Thief? I or maybe a so. bit before no, that? I can't know. remember. It
3: is. The and it's all of it. Everything. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think it's around then. And it's... Yeah. And they did some strange things, which, which is very then, where they'd put an album online and then just say, nah, pay whatever you want. And so... So they people yeah. wouldn't. Some people wouldn't pay anything for it, and some people pay hundred quid or something. So it might be one of those ones where they they didn't do a lot of publicity. But I
2: think if you look at the stats on that, I think the lion's share of people paid yeah, a full that a full price they, they for that album. Paid what they th-
3: thought it was like. worth, and it's incredible.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it, it was a, it was an amazing thing that they they done that, and it was a very. I, I mean, needless to say, obviously, radio had a very financially comfortable mm. I'm sure at that point. Um and it was a and it was a great marketing yeah. spin as well. But I do think it was a, a brilliant thing to give, you know, you know, give the customer an opportunity to Definitely. value it. Yeah. Uh, but I just wish that there was some sort of structure in place that would allow aspiring bands to do that. It's it's nice and easy to do that when you've got the money yeah, in the bank and the but following. I and, think in this yeah. da- in this day down- and age, it completely, a, you know, a, a global, massive following. And I just think it'd be nice if there was some way that the industry would, you know, allow something similar to that and 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 help it kind of nurture
0: exciting yeah, new
2: absolutely. talent. So so th- we'll. W- 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 We'll we'll finish on a question around that, okay. um, Rachel, which is for somebody that's working with with, with new talent and uh and and, and and has worked within the industry for, for, for so many years, you know, spinning many different plates, no pun intended there. <laughs> um and uh but um like how 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 would you how do you see it and how do you see the future for for new and aspiring Bands, singers, songwriters.
3: Oh, that's a tricky question because things are changing massively, and there isn't as much money in the industry now. So I think people need to almost be a a brand as well as just you know being a really good songwriter, or a really good singer. It's almost having a lot of other things around you, so you you can sort of capitalise on all that. And that's quite an odd thing because I know some people. Hate, hate that kind of thing and just are just like no I'm just an artist I don't want to try to sell trainers as well or whatever but I think you've got to look at the bigger picture because the world is changing and you know and um, you know we it's unlikely anyone will get as much global success as like the Beatles or something because the world's a completely different place um, But but yeah there's definitely a place for you know new and aspiring artists it's just it can be harder to kind of break ground but a lot of it is about knowing the right people and um and making good choices which can be really hard sometimes um and I always say to people just do your absolute best no matter what you're doing even if you're playing in a complete toilet of a place do your very best because you just never know who might be watching who might be listening to what you're doing and you might just be exactly right for what they, for what they want. So yeah, I wish there was like a formula that, that could grant instant success to, to, you know, aspiring artists. But, but unfortunately there isn't, yeah. <laughs> but I guess that's why, why the music industry as, is as it is. Um, I think if you're, but if you're enjoying Absolutely. making music and it makes you happy, um, if that's the, the, the driving force, then, the money and fame and success and great stuff is like a kind of bonus but if if music just makes you happy completely then you're gonna have a lot of contentment in your life anyway um and then the other stuff should hopefully follow if you're if you're talented enough
2: absolutely so What's coming up for you in the immediate future, Rachel? And where can people find out about uh, what you do? So,
3: my website is uh, rachelmasonmusic.com. Um, I've got some stuff out on Spotify that I've written. I'm, I'm up for quite a few awards with the uh, International Singer-Songwriters Association. So, that's quite quite nice. Um, five nominations, which really surprised me. I was like, really? Okay, cool. Wonderful. Um and well, I was meant to be singing in Carnegie Hall a few weeks ago, but obviously that didn't happen because <laughs> you know coronavirus, oh. so that's a shame um, and a lot of my work abroad's been postponed till next year but that's but that's fine because it will still happen um and I'm busy writing writing um for lots of different people and doing trying to support artists through through the coronavirus, doing lots of writing co-writing with them and kind of getting their their album up together so it's ready to go and record when we get out of lockdown basically so we're all sure we're all set to go back and be creative
2: (laughs) wonderful Rachel, thank you so much for your time today, and, and, and I really appreciate you being uh, the, the guinea pig for these <laughs> virtual recordings. And uh, and we we had some back and forth, and thankfully your husband was yeah. on hand to kind of get the audio out up that your end. He's <laughs> uh, my so... hero.
3: <laughs> I'm not very technical at all.
2: <laughs> so I really appreciate oh, my your pleasure. time. Thanks so
3: much for having me on.
2: Lovely, thank, thank you, Rachel. You. <laughs> There you have it. Thank you ever so much for listening. Um, Rachel was a real joy. Um, thanks again to 76 um, for, for putting that audio together so cleverly um, because when we was doing it visually as well on, on the Skype, there was a slight delay. Um, and I, I think uh, 76 done a, a wonderful job syncing up the audio there. So um, big thanks to to him. And if you have a podcast and you're interested in, in uh, getting it produced and mastered and such, then, um, then why not reach out to 76? You can find him on all of our social medias for, um, for off the beaten track and hardcore listing. And he does, um, he does a a, a variety of podcasts. So he's your go-to guy. Um, thanks ever so much again to, to Rachel. And thanks mostly of all to you lot for listening and supporting this podcast. Um, like I said at the beginning, if you enjoy it, head over to Patreon and uh, and and you can get loads more episodes over there. Um, and if you're still thirsty for podcasts, go and check out www.podbiblemag.com, the podcast publication put together by myself, Scroobius, Pip and Adam Richardson. It's a one-stop shop for all things podcasting. You can read it online. You can buy print copies online. Um, we've got a podcast as well each week, me, Pip and Adam speak to the kind of cream of the crop of the... The podcast universe, um, and we we ask them to tell us all about their podcasts and the podcasts that they enjoy listening to. So uh, that's out every week on uh, all the usual places. So go and check out the Pod Bible podcast as well. Right, I'm going to take a breath, and uh, I'm actually going to go and have a cup of tea. Have a lovely day. Stay safe in these bananas times we find ourselves in. And I can't wait to to uh, listen back to one of these episodes in a year's time and go, oh my god, yeah, that was when we was in that. That lockdown, that was a weird time, wasn't it? So um, stay safe, stay indoors, and uh, and yeah, hopefully it'll all be uh, over and done with soon. Thanks again. Bye bye. Oh yeah, sorry, I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast. And it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a lot of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also... Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month, there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. PodbibleMag.com It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu with Eat
0: a